Welcome to this episode of All Damn Night Conspiracy Corner. Uh, if you haven't been to uh, the Conspiracy Corner before here on All Damn Night, what <laughs> we do is explore some uh, little-known conspiracy theories in the uh, course of music history. I'm your host, Brandon Richardson, here with our resident expert, Sean Demers. We're trying to lighten up this corner <laughs> of conspiracy. And uh, we're here Ooh. with a uh, special guest, a returning guest, uh, Mr. Jeff Yose. Jeff, hey. thanks for coming in. Nice to, nice to be back, actually. Welcome back, yeah. So uh, we're going to go into uh, some conspiratorial, some mystery territory today. So what usually would be a incredibly the most reputable uh, music history podcast uh, on planet Earth anywhere ever uh, is going to be a little more theoretical tonight. So uh, don't take everything that we We're trying say. Trying to get the blood pump in. This is yeah. a this is a cerebral exploration, a mind exercise, if you will. Uh, tonight we are going to be covering a, uh, a a tale of of young life lost too soon and uh, addiction mm. and fame gone out of control. And it ended with uh, with a uh, with two deaths, really. Yeah. And we want to find the culprit for both of them. Uh, are we talking about Taylor Swift in the music industry? I I think it's pretty clear that we're not going to be talking about that because okay. we will be canceled immediately. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are. She does uh, have a lot of money. <laughs> if you haven't listened before, so uh, I have researched a story. Uh, in depth, uh, and Sean and Jeff have no idea what it's about. No idea, never. And we're gonna hang out, about anything, and we're gonna riff on it and have a good time. And uh, we'll be here for the next hour and a half or so. So don't go anywhere, because that'd be kind of rude. <laughs> <laughs> no pausing. This is all damn night conspiracy <laughs> corner. <laughs> Welcome to All Damn Night. The late night radio voice going there, though. <laughs> I'm just trying oh, to make so it. Don't, don't, uh, yeah, we, don't we got uh, go thing. anywhere now. We're going to play right. some sweet headphone tracks. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sean. Like peach just... Yeah, we got next. Next, we got here a uh, little John Coltrane and Duke Ellington in a sentimental mood. <laughs> So, Sean, <laughs> Jeff, uh, on May 10th, 1957, in Lewisham, uh, an Where's area. Lewisham? I'm trying to tell you. Well, but you won't you let gotta me. You got to move faster here, man. You refuse to let me do anything. You got to keep up. You got to jazz it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm already bored. You, can you Jesus. do the Duke Ellington track? <laughs> That's not the song I said. Do the though. track. <laughs> oh, you do it good. You do I, it now. I left my trumpet at home, though. <laughs> in Lewisham uh, In an area in South London uh, Just south of London Simon John Ritchie was born to John and Anne Ritchie A young couple who had met during their service in the RAF Anybody know what the RAF no, is? Royal Air Force Yes, sir okay. So That's why I didn't care Where Snoopy flew That's exactly That's why he's a resident expert see? There we go he knows stuff like that And that is not going to make anyone mad <laughs> snoopy's from the uk and nobody was in the raf yeah no one who's who's who could currently serving in the raf or who, whose grandparents or father or, or mother is served in the raf will possibly be offended by you naming snoopy as their greatest contributor so again i don't know i feel like everybody would love to be associated with joe cool oh so hmm. joe cool that's well yeah i guess you're right yeah, yeah. fair enough yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think all the amends have been made. We all carry right, on. Got another one. What about the guy, the pilot from the original Mummy movie, Brendan Fraser, the drunk who was in uh, Egypt, and they found him to you, take him. I just the... watched all of those yesterday. You guys oh, wow. think Doesn't he was actually a pilot in the RAF? Yeah, no, I believe he was a caveman in Encino. Oh well, yeah, not Brendan Fraser, the the short, fat British guy. Oh, him. The pilot. Actually, yeah. Yeah, the is guy it, that we're talking about. You guys yeah. know the <laughs> I was RAF thinking of Brendan Fraser. I'm thing, so sorry. Right? <laughs> I'm sorry? You know the Royal Air Force, like, beat the Nazis, right? Yes, I do. I do understand that okay. firmly. <laughs> I think someone that didn't know that would think they were, like, akin well, the, to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The Red Turtles. Baron beat the Nazis. 
No, the Red Baron died like 25 years before the Nazis existed. I was going to, yeah, oh, man. assuming that as well. I guess we can cut that out. But, no, no, that was great. <laughs> Leave that in there. <laughs> so, but long after the Nazis had been defeated in 1957, uh, John and Anne gave good birth riddance. to... Right? Yes, yes, good I riddance. I think that's a fair take. <laughs> yes, good riddance right. to the Nazis. <laughs> Uh, John actually served as a guard at Buckingham Palace and was a part-time trombone player in the burgeoning London jazz scene. Oh, wow. Imagine lots of fog, cigarette smoke. And a bunch of jive-ass turkeys. (laughs) Jive-ass turkeys, sticky, pale river water. It's like... uh, Fair enough, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) It it looks like pan drippings at the end of the night at a a Chewy's. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do they clean the the vent hood grates? (laughs) Well, young Simon and his... But they die at green once a year. Oh, wait, that's the Thames. Is that the same river? No, it's not. Do they die die at green? I think they might. They die at the the Thames Thames River. Yeah. But that's in Ireland. Not The Thames? I guess that's in England. No, that's in London. Yeah. I don't know if they... Don't. Thank you again, resident <laughs> expert, Sean Demers. Hey, his expertise lies in many places. <laughs> I am spread pretty thin here now. <laughs> we are what? covering lots of topics. Well, young Simon and his mother, uh, it was decided, would move to the Spanish island of Ibiza upon completion of her service in the, in the Royal Air Force, and John would join them soon after. He would send checks until the until he was able to come out, and checks would arrive each month for the young family until he could get there. What were their roles in the Air Force? Um, I think they were more maintenance and and support personnel. Okay, nothing. He wrong wasn't with a that. pilot. Just want everybody to know, there's nothing wrong with that. No, well, yeah, no, that's definitely. for every every. What's the generally accepted statistic? I don't know if it's true in aerial combat, but at least in ground combat, at least historically, it's usually like ten to one, like one. One person on the front lines requires ten people in support. Oh yeah, no, exactly. I know that very for, well. Remember, yeah, was, for I, every I hour of feature right. film, yeah, there's ten like, hours of B-roll. So most like <laughs> point being like most likely the veteran. If you know a veteran out there, they were probably involved in a support role, right? Yeah, uh, even though it's ten to one, they're essentially yeah. mobile cities societies. They have to have every yeah. key player, and then the support Well, that's system. only one aspect of it, too, because yeah. they're also maintaining like stationary societies all over the world. Right. And yeah. yeah, absolutely. So it runs, on the, it runs on the back of support personnel. I don't think you would find anybody who would, who would deny that. You'd be surprised. Oh. <laughs> you, I would regale you with a tale, but not today. <laughs> so uh, as soon as... Uh, it's, it's the, the young boy and his brother uh, took off to the Spanish island of Ibiza, and as soon as they got there, they found a spot and they waited expectedly for their part-time trombonist father to get done guarding the queen in her palace, so he could sail out and meet this them. This is fucking cool! <laughs> Holy shit! Let me wait on my Spanish deserted island for my my trombonist father. He's a up-and-coming jazzer. What could possibly go wrong, right? (laughs) Defending the queen. (laughs) Well, only for the first time in recorded history, the only time in recorded history, a middling jazz musician failed to live up to his obligations as a husband and father. Never. Never happened. Never heard of that in my life. In this particular situation, it's an anomaly. It was true. I'm as shocked as you are, but that's what happened. Wow. After a few months, the young mother figured out that she and her son were on their own. They would eventually make their way back to London, and she would marry again in 1965 to Christopher Beverly and set up a home in Kent. So Daddy Trombone never came back from getting cigarettes. Daddy Trombone never came back from blowing his magic trombone. (laughs) Trying to protect the queen. I, I gotta go protect the queen. It would be the guy standing outside. I'll be outside. back in an hour. He'd be standing outside Buckingham Palace with a trombone on his shoulder instead of the rifle. Oh, <laughs> blow this shit, there's a threat. <laughs> Don't go nowhere. <laughs> if you threaten the queen, I'll blow on my own right here. <laughs> Young the missus, don't fret. Be right back. 
Young Simon John took on his father's first name and stepmother stepfather's last name and was then known as John Beverly. Nothing fucked up about that at no, all. No, none at all. Yeah. Sadly, six months after their marriage, Christopher Beverly would pass away from cancer and plunge the young family into even more turmoil and uncertainty. Within years, Anne had become hooked on heroin and speed, which had been subsidized by the government during the 1960s. For more information on this, what? check out Keith Richards' seminal autobiography, Life. He'll, yeah. Hey, what it, do you mean by subsidized? So by what it? would happen is you could register with the British government as a heroin addict, and they would supply you with a weekly allotment of heroin and cocaine. You do uh, Actually, I just saw something today. San Francisco, California, right? actually has... Um, Not sa- San Francisco... Uh, Denmark. Depends. Yes. Yes. I mean, okay. St. Francisco. <laughs> but uh, no, the San Francisco, they have uh, stations now where people can go, users can go huh. and shoot up while being monitored. Uh, they have those in that's Vancouver. Been, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. been around that's, for they, a little they, bit now in Canada. It. Yeah. I, I just only brought it up because they questioned whether it works. I know it's a little off subject, but. The I, idea I mean, is to keep them, them, is to keep the patients high so they're not robbing and stealing. And to make sure that they're not overdosing, and if they do right. overdose, that they're mm-hmm. able to. And the, but, yeah, you know, disease transfer is a big issue. I think as it's well. got that's, yeah. that's yeah. part of the huge justification of it. I think so. it's got like basically zero efficacy in dissuading people from doing. Yeah, heroin, okay, that's that's what I thought. Yeah, it may if, you, have been. if you tell someone who's never done any drugs in their entire life, I, I actually experienced this recently. Uh, I helped a uh, a member of the community uh, barbecue for a. Uh, um, a, a good cause, but he wasn't really helping anybody. So if you ask a, if you ask a person who uh, has never really done drugs, it, is this a great idea? Yeah, it's a great idea, um, but it's 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 not helping anybody really. Yeah, you know. I mean, okay. He was just kind of paying. Yeah, uh, lip putting a bandaid on it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, I see. I see. Right. So. Well, yeah. So it it set up the situation where. Um, yeah, there a lot of and it also created a black market for and you could you could I mean Keith Richards talks about in this in his book he would uh, get cocaine from his uh, heroin addict <laughs> friends because they had the best cocaine in town because it was medicinal wow, uh, yeah. pharmaceutical grade cocaine and they so they would just sell it and buy more heroin exactly yeah mm-hmm. and, and they would just exact exactly they would they didn't really they weren't into cocaine they wanted heroin so they would swap it out I think the moral of the story here folks is don't play the fucking trombone. Thank you. Jesus. I think that's pretty clear, and I think we'll really solidify that by the end of this podcast. Great. So soon, the young son, a preteen at the time, began to experiment with drugs himself. By the time he was no. a teenager, I know, he had acquired a heroin and speed habit of his own by the time he was a teenager. A childhood friend recalls visiting young John Beverly's home and being shocked when the teenager and his mother began taking hits of speed and heroin together at the same time in the same room. It's a little bit weird. Yeah. But they've been through a lot. They had become more partners in crime than mother and child, and soon the young man was spending most of his time out and about among among the blossoming punk scene in London. I mean, is this so different from the TABC law that we have here? Oh yeah, you, that's right. You can you know. bring your children to a bar yeah. and monitor their, monitor them as as they're drinking yeah. your beer. Yeah, uh, and there's a loophole where you can actually do heroin with them. Actually, yeah. <laughs> I almost I actually almost, I was like, oh there. wow, that's geez. no, it's not. Okay, See the power of the coffee cup. That is that is impressive. Actually, he had conviction in his eyes. I wish I wish I the listeners it. could see I that it. I believed him for a split second. You gotta you gotta believe it to see it. Now, to fully understand punk music, you have to understand where Britain was in the early 1970s in regards. Yeah, I think to it's, it's still in the same place. Right? I knew that was I knew that joke was gonna come, and I thought I bet you I won't be able to get to the end of this sentence. And thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we had to understand where it was in the 1970s in regards to its economy and international presence. There was a worldwide oh, recession oh, I, I in 1973 spurred on by gas shortages, and the outlook for a young pe- for young people at the time was incredibly bleak. Furthermore, in the 30 years since the end of World War II, so put this in to put this in perspective, it's been 30 years since 1988. So imagine if in 1988 all of Austin, Texas had been bombed out by Nazis. Oh, wow. That's the world they grew up in. 
or wherever, whatever city you live in. Like this was not that long ago. This was a very recent history. And they, they, these people had grown up in a reconstructionist era where like order was the most important thing because chaos had reigned for so long. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's like the hunger, hunger games almost. You say that every podcast. Really? You say everything is like I the Hunger Games. I believe this is the first time. Well, so that you said that Spade Cooley was well like the Hunger Games. So that Did everyone I really? can no. relate to it. I mean, uh, like, so were the rations for for um, fuel in Europe with diesel? or I don't know about rations in Europe, to be honest. Okay. I, don't, I don't know that much about the rationing there. I, I mean, know, there was, I know that they were rationed. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, but I, I thought that most of the cars in that time period were diesel cars. I I have no idea. I couldn't answer mm. that with any like degree of accuracy, other well, than I know they had rationing. Okay, that's about as much authority as I could put on it for sure. Um, and we well, know it's still in the same geological. Location. It has not moved. Has not moved. Has not moved since the 1970s. Nope. So, I mean, that's uh, so comforting. Britain had been know. a had been a society <laughs> based on conformity and order with a populace that was tired and depleted from two world wars, which had killed millions and scarred the entire nation, both mentally and physically. In London, not three days, not three decades earlier, chaos had reigned, and now a generation of kids raised on getting by to get ahead found themselves disenchanted with few jobs to be found and a society that seemed to have no place for them. What kind of work well, was there? Actually, at that time, they had kids like in cotton companies, like uh, crawling. There's some pretty dirty jobs that kids had to do. They they had to crawl in these like I, I don't know what the machine is called, but they had to like pick up excess. Oh cotton, yeah, okay. Like crawling through, which was very dangerous because they could die as well. Um, I, I think mean, you're thinking like Industrial Revolution. Is that? Is that am yeah, I speaking they, they a little bit too labor late laws. Or early? Yeah, absolutely. This is okay. post-World War II. Okay. Uh, this is more, you're looking at the decline of the coal industry in, in Britain. Um, were, were there more children having jobs because there were less No, far less adults? children having jobs. Oh, okay. There was no jobs to be had. Okay, so okay. not dissimilar from, say, 2008 to 12, the big recession that we had. Okay. Uh, where there were just very few jobs, very few prospects. Uh, it just didn't look like things were ever going to pull out of the slump they were in. At least that's how it felt in Merced, where we grew up. Like, yeah, no. It sure felt like... still haven't necessarily gotten out. It's but. a rough time. And then the Cubs won the World Series. Somehow. Henry <laughs> Rosenberger. That's what, <laughs> that's what changed the world. <laughs> Meanwhile... <laughs> Well, musically, the idealism of the 1960s had faded into the excess and cynicism of the 1970s. Bands like Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, and the Rolling Stones, among many others, were performing huge stage shows on huge stages in front of massive audiences. Their music and their live shows became more and more a spectacle of opulence, and their status as virtuoso entertainers and virtuoso musicians gave them a separatist status viewed by many fans as separate from themselves, a cut above, unattainable. For sure. Um, they were almost held in like a, a, a separate class entirely. They were not judged by the normal confines of society. Uh, if you watch uh, the documentary slash concert film, the song remains the same with Led Zeppelin when they played in Madison Square Garden in what 70? 72 or 70? It was something like yeah, that. Yeah. Their tour manager is 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 holding them to such a high esteem that he finds out about uh somebody bootlegging t-shirts with Led Zeppelin's image and right. likeness on them and he says you're going to taint the almighty image i'm paraphrasing here no yeah you're i remember taint, this scene you're going to taint yeah. the the almighty led zeppelin to become uh, in 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 and do it such an injustice as to bootleg their faces onto this shitty t-shirt i mean they were so good yeah. that people thought they sold their souls to the devil absolutely like, yeah. yeah yeah but didn't they well, that's going to be an upcoming that episode. That is a, a different corner. conspiracy corner. There's many things. Short to answer: talk Yes. About when it comes to Jimmy Page, but many young people were becoming disillusioned with this scene and wanted something more raw, more down to earth, more personal. They couldn't all be virtuoso players. That was true enough, but they could all have a good time and give the time-honored middle finger to a musical and societal establishment that they were finding ever more restrictive and intrusive. Enter 
the punk movement. Oh, wow. The punks were restrictive? No, they found society's rules. Oh, okay. Actually, I, I think a lot of people would say that punks are the punk culture they is very of, restrictive and has lots yeah. and lots of rules that so are back then they were basically like hooligans for music. They were Yeah, that's not a bad way of, of putting it. They were a rejection of complexity. You're speaking to me. Uh, say that again. You're saying big words. <laughs> they, Rejection they, of complexity. They, they were they they were they were kind of a pushback against having to be a virtuoso and able to express yourself. They want instead of being like fancy and rich and clean and and geniuses, they wanted to be like grimy and dirty and hit you in the face with their music. And it's actually quite not pretty. It's still, it's still like prevalent and like now yeah sure. it's like a are. hipster you know, is but there's lots today. of rules I was gonna say hipster right. but i have i have a thing yeah. going on this weekend where i can't say that in public <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh well now of course the, the you punk- can say yuppie yeah you can say yuppie, you can say yuppie. Oh. well yeah. i mean yeah well, well they were against the yuppies weren't they i mean they, well, they, it's they, kind um, of interchangeable hipster and yuppie this isn't of. like they oh, weren't yeah i mean in a sense i mean some hipsters are actually more hip like hippie than they are to be rapping. fair before we go too far down this road the punk <laughs> movement is going no this really does need to be addressed like before the punk movement and 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 all of its forms and facets will be addressed on its own episode of all damn night like oh, yeah. this is way too much to cover in this alone we're just kind of giving you a cursory overview of of how this scene so came basically to be they say you know the man fuck the man <laughs> yes so. yes exactly <laughs> Well, it sounded not like a British person. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you know the men? Fuck the men. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I sounded like Nigerian-ish earlier. <laughs> hey, no, not that there's anything wrong with that. Absolutely not. No, no, no they're great people. Good Thank people. you to our Nigerian awesome listener. Thank we have one awesome subscriber. People. Thank you very much. Now, much appreciated. Of course, the punk movement will have its own all damn night, but for our purposes here, a short summary of how and where it started will suffice. They were highly, the, the movement was highly influenced by the music of the MC5, the Stooges, uh, the New York Dolls, the Velvet Underground, and the avant garde artists like David, artists like David Bowie, uh, mixed with a bit of rockabilly simplicity man. and big city grime. The punk scene began in earnest in New York in the 1970s with clubs like the legendary CBGBs, hosting the Ramones, Johnny Thunders, Wayne County, and Blondie and the Talking Heads, to name a few. Name a few. Yeah, I, I, do, I do have a question. Why did they call it punk? Like, what, where did the name come from? Why did they, uh, why did they call it punk music, actually, just generally? Yeah. I'm not sure... Exactly why is I didn't delve too deep for this episode in particular. Um, I imagine it was because it was a name that they adopted out of out of spite. They were kind they, of they were saying, "Oh well, these these hooligans these punks? Are, are punks. Look at these punks." And then they're like, "Yeah, whatever. We'll turn your right. word into." And they're kind of like a Mad Max version of the of the mods and rockers. Okay, I mean, like yeah. the, the mods and rockers dominated the '60s, and that was like a real. Uh, culture clash in Britain and I think kind of born out of their styles and sensibilities became even more stripped down more kind of post-apocalyptic version of that was the punk movement um do you guys you guys know what anybody bonus points here anybody know what CBGB stands for the legendary punk venue I do not know what it stands for no no I don't country bluegrass and blues oh wow it wasn't meant to be a punk venue so no bonus points no bonus points for anyone it must have been a smaller venue yeah, very small venue. Very that's, small venue. That's where punk bands come out of. The if you want to see any great punk shows, um, just YouTube your favorite punk band with CBGBs behind it, and you'll probably find one of their better shows. You know, a little known fact is that the bassist for Guns N' Roses got his chops in the punk underground scene in Seattle and Seattle. Washington. Yeah, okay, absolutely. There we go. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they they punk influenced everything since punk, basically. You know, but, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's so the Ramones. There was a, a a couple documentaries, but one of the main points that came across is they were simplifying it to the point where it was barely music. They were they were removing strings from their guitars. They were not singing melodically. They were doing right. this on purpose to 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 
just get their message across in it. It, it was to you know it any art form is is meant it is art because it it makes somebody feel something yeah. and and what whether that's oh well this is different and badass or well right, this absolutely. is noisy and annoying or whatever it it it, it was effective i mean like bonzo goes to bitburg that's one of my favorite songs so I mean, you, <laughs> you know, know. <laughs> i don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery is right up there for me <laughs> and a powerful sentiment yeah well it was in Jeez. new york that the punk scene took hold of another pivotal of the other pivotal player in tonight's story nancy nancy excuse me nancy nancy spongen uh worst name ever probably one of the more uh spongen. one of the spongen. the less auditorily appealing names in the english language it sounds uh, like the type of a sea creature spongen. it does not sound good it sounds like a punk uh, born February 27th, 1958 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, with a severe case of cyanosis, which uh, is a, like turning blue, a lack of circulation. Oh, it's not yeah. allergy to Amish? No, no, okay. no. That's uh, cyanomish. <laughs> okay. Uh, glad we she got was that born to the lovely couple Frank and Debbie Spongen. Oh, wow. So... <laughs> a middle-class Jewish family living in Lower Morgan Township. Now, no, believe it no, or not, what does that mean? I can't even believe that's a Jewish name, like Sponge. False. Yeah, I, I wouldn't guess that. Definitely not. wrong. No. Well, now, young Nancy Spongen was a Steen. She was a maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was a moody and angry child, uh, uh, often acting out. She was. Prescribed. I thought that was because she was a woman. I'm just glad you didn't say it because she was a Jew. Uh, oh! <laughs> prescribed. She was prescribed a barbiturate. We're trying to secure some sponsorships here, Jeffrey, and you're going to take us off the rails and ruin us all. Remember what happened when Jesse Jackson ran for mayor? Is that a Chinese joke? Remember what happened when Jesse Jackson ran for mayor of New York City? I don't even know who that is. Do you don't know who Jesse Jackson is? I am totally lying to you. Yeah, the, I do know who he is. Notorious race pimp. Uh, yeah. He, yeah. He called... He called New York Jaime Town. Oh wow! Yeah, how'd like, that go over wait, for him? Not Town? well. Didn't win. <laughs> what is Jaime? believe it or not? What is Jaime? The, the only Jaime I know it's is a slur is for a Jewish people. Dude named Jamie. Fair enough. That is not what he meant. No. He meant a derogatory slur for Jewish people. Not the best way to get. Wouldn't that be an upset if he won the vote by? misunderstanding his racial slur for his friend Jaime. <laughs> that would that would be unfortunate. <laughs> that would be unfortunate, yes. Uh now she was allowed she was actually incredibly intelligent. She was allowed to skip third grade and uh, Oh wow. Because of right so, so she knew her colors already. She, <laughs> I remember my first time All right. multiplication. Yeah. No, she knew well, I was in gate. <laughs> They said, well, how do you make blue? She said, put yellow and green together. <laughs> they said, well, there's no need for you to be here in the third grade, little girl. Go Cursive right ahead. piece Whoa. of cake. She oh, could do man. her nine times tables Good with no fingers. Her. Wow. It, so, well... <laughs> Because yes, she had no fingers. Very good point. No, actually, she had fingers. And a no, I said without. I meant without using her fingers. You don't know the trick. I'm picturing a fingerless little girl like Eddie Murphy in Coming to America. No, because then the her crazy ass would have only had fists. <laughs> no, what's that was legless. 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 And it's not Coming to America. Legless. It's, uh, it's uh, Trading Places. Trading Places. Now, That's everybody right. knows legless is an archer in the films of. Oh shit. Try it again. No, everybody. <laughs> this is fun. This is fun. Look at him. Look, you, you can it's see like him thinking. Look, at, look, you can see the, the wheels turning right here. <laughs> no, I almost said Phantom of the fucking Opera. Dude. I don't know why. <laughs> the movies of the Phantom of the Opera. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Abort! Everybody knows that I hate you guys. Now the joke's not gonna go over for me. Everybody knows that legless is holy shit. Stop! All right, all right, all right, all right. Ready? Everybody knows that legless is just an archer from the Lord of the Rings. What? <laughs> what? What are you talking what about? What are you talking about? Never even heard of you this nonsense. <laughs> no, but I feel like somebody Not in the story might. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Man, these pretzels are making me thirsty. 
I just want the viewers to know that he does not have. These are listeners. (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes you could see with your eyes. Listeners in the films. If they were all Daredevil, they could see with their ears. Yeah. (laughs) Another valid point. (laughs) Glad you're here. Glad you're here. (laughs) Daredevil, a noted figure of the Industrial Revolution. (laughs) They made Daredevil <laughs> crawl under machines. Yes, that's how he lost his horns in the Thresher. Right yeah. off, lopped. Yeah, I think you're thinking of Hellboy. That is who I'm thinking of. Oh, I'm man. drowning. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Yes. I was just like, actually, he does have tiny horns. <laughs> As we've been shaved down. <laughs> you know what? I uh, I think after all this, we have to come to a hard conclusion that none of us were smart enough to skip third grade. <laughs> no, 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 I was in gate not. in the third grade. If you guys don't know what that is, it's called gifted and talented education. Well, is that off. what they told you? Nah, I feel like it was just a scapegoat for remedial class. <laughs> so it's like the Patriot Act. Like they name things the opposite of what they are. <laughs> what is gate? You know, so, but, I mean, it, it was it was a good class. It was a God good class. Say, that's so moving funny. On, yeah, with her IQ, her IQ was high. I, I recalled you saying it was. Nancy. She was gifted and talented. Yeah, I mean. she didn't have to go to three years of preschool. She wasn't in my <laughs> class, dude. She wasn't in my class. I skipped kindergarten because I could brush my own teeth. <laughs> well, you were taller than the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> You let me go home. <laughs> you know, yeah, like I, I could brush my own teeth and then I stole like three Lego men with a bicycle from class and I never went back. Never Man. turned back. You I probably stole, I stole a Hot Wheel license. <laughs> I stole a Hot Wheel from preschool. I, I think that the statute of limitations is over on that one. You went to preschool? What an amateur. <laughs> I dropped out. Well, young Nancy was violent towards her sister Susan. And, uh, but always caring towards her brother David, though she seemed to have what I would term a mis- fundamental misunderstanding of scissors. See, she th- oh wow, she threatened <laughs> Did she play to- them like a trombone. No worse, actually. She threatened to kill her babysitter with scissors, and then I mean, come on, who hasn't? Though? Nobody likes. Fair enough, scissors. fair enough. But let me keep going here. That's she. Uh, she expelled. She was expelled from school at eleven for truancy, which is kind of ironic that they don't let you go to school when you don't go to school. Right. Uh, then she was enrolled in the Devereux Glen Home Therapeutic Boarding School in Washington, Connecticut. Dun, dun, dun. A place that sounds like it couldn't possibly be real, but in fact it is. It is boarding. Yeah, yeah bo- and also boarding school. So they specialized in what I like to call the millennial buffet of mental illness. Uh, autism, Asperger's, Tourette's, OCD, ADHD, ADD, depression, anxiety, and what's been termed emotional disabilities. Oh, wow. Millennials self-diagnose on Twitter, so that's that's exactly what they do. I'm a self-diagnosed horse cock. (laughs) (laughs) Do they call you Mr. Hands? Do they they call you Mr. Hands? If you don't know who Mr. Hands is, then you're not a millennial. (laughs) In January 1972, uh, she ran away and attempted suicide by slitting her wrist with scissors. Again, I think she's slightly confused. Yeah, she didn't get this right. She never. There was no like reference to her making like uh, awesome snowflakes at Christmas time or being really handy with scissors. No gingerbread men holding hands. No reasoning garland. why she always had scissors, but somebody kept giving her. Why? Why did she have scissors again after she threatened to kill a babysitter with them? And they keep giving her speed from the government and all this. No, no, bad news. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> America can't afford to give everybody speed. Oh, she's sadly. American. I okay. know. Sad, uh, a psychiatrist diagnosed her with schizophrenia at age 15, which kind of makes me wonder why it took that long. Um, then at age 16, she was accepted. Can't argue with crazy. True. She was accepted at the University can, of Colorado <laughs> in Boulder at age 16. So she is pretty smart. Uh, there, though, she was not that smart because she was arrested for buying weed off an undercover No, that's cop. just not being sensible. Fair enough. That makes me so mad, though. So she got in trouble for something that's totally fine. Totally illegal now. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm. Uh, later, she was arrested again for storing stolen property in her dorm room, something that's sadly still illegal. At the age of what? 16? Yeah. Uh, subsequently... 
She was I mean, in who spells hasn't in the college. Printed out like ten thousand pages. You remember that movie with uh, John Goodman where he plays Babe Ruth? Uh, no. Well, like, I'm only Babe thinking Ruth. about shower curtain ring salesman. Well, he has a full breakdown in the that's shower. John Goodman. That's John Candy. That's John. That's John Candy. Candy. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, both of them are passed away. Uh, no, I'm being no? John. I know. I'm just fucking. I was just gonna see who was John John the man. Uh, Roseanne, right? Roseanne is Calm it Roseanne? Down. No, well, it hey. was canceled. Okay. Fellas, fellas, it was a joke. Don't you ever talk about Guys? Dan the man like that <laughs> ever again? He well, is the father I never had. <laughs> I can say that because I'm dark, and I didn't have my dad wasn't around. Just want you guys to, you know, roast on that one. Thank you for contributing yeah. all of that wonderful information to our podcast. Uh, Cut to the Native American. You're a wonderful comedian. One tear. <laughs> this is the saddest fucking clown I've ever. You're Shakespearean. He's a, a genius. Talk. I bet he skipped third grade. <laughs> well, no, I wasn't. Smart no, that enough. was when I got into gate. <laughs> got day. to prove to my father <laughs> that I am the son he always wanted. <laughs> Uh, she actually accepted a plea bargain and was banished from the state of Colorado. Get out of here. whole state. At Man. 16, that's an achievement. That's pretty awesome. Honestly. Chased her out of town with a line of trombones. This <laughs> <laughs> is becoming a much more trombone-centric episode than that. I feel like they chased her with that song. <laughs> chased her clear out of Colorado. <laughs> I'm the picturing Benny Hill, the Benny Hill soundtrack. <laughs> I'm picturing her being chased out with like fish or white. She goes the wrong way. You know, goes goes to Texas, goes back to Denver. Bunch of bunch of ladders crossing her path. She's on a big wheel bike. Bobby's world, just a camera behind. The video speed is sped up. Well, believe it or not, she was fired from her first job after leaving Colorado, and she began to support herself in New York City again by stealing from her family and dealing drugs. Eventually, she made her way out to England, following Johnny Thunders and hoping to hook up with him. Uh, Sounds promising. Right? She became a (laughs) well-known fixture on the London scene, uh, not as a model as many of the girls uh, were, but as a notorious and unashamed unabashed hood rat an occasional prostitute and full-time groupie on the local punk scene that's a model fair enough that's a loose definition but we can roll with that loose very loose and she had one more job she modeled money full time junkie she had become that is a hard that's a rough (laughs) rough job she had become hooked on heroin the hot drug of the time which complemented the dark and dingy street scenes she felt at home in she eventually took a shot at hooking up with johnny rotten of the sex Pistols. even better choice than johnny danger or whatever his name was now the sex pistols have been blowing up on the scene anyone that came up during that time or was around that time will tell you at least people that grew up in england at the time will tell you that they really thought the sex pistols were crazy like they thought they were like dangerous that they were there to like overthrow the society that they knew. And they kind of went from zero to 60. And what had happened was they became a really popular punk band. And this kid, Sid Vicious, uh, became known on the scene. And he was their biggest fan. And one day they lost their bass player. This is a very cursory overview, mind you. But one day they lost their bass player and decided that Sid would be a good stand-in and Sid didn't even play bass. Right. Was it because of his personality? Just his personality oh, wow. and his look, because the look mattered wow. more than anything. Talk and about right place, right time. Yeah, they would oftentimes turn his bass all the way down or unplug it. It was just like he was all so the he energy. Was, he was, well, he became wow. he became kind of the star of the show because his energy was what became famous. He would be he became the originator of the pogo, like the jump up and down. Okay. He didn't know what else to do. He couldn't play the bass and he had all this energy, <laughs> so he just kept jumping just up and down. Jump. Like, now, did he ever learn or not really? Not 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 to there's any, four strings in punk music is not that not to any serviceable degree, man. And I watched several Sex Pistols shows from the mid seventies in, in preparation for this and like I could see the appeal of the band, but and I get that he's selling an image, but they're like, Yeah, image is what matters here because that guy was for shit at playing the bass. It doesn't make much sense though, does it? <clears throat> like, like I guess it is it just because you're not a punk that you wouldn't get it? Um, I, 
yeah, I mean, like that. You that's, have to be a societal I, I mean, outcast. I do get it. I do understand that this guy's stick, that the stick here, or that the the appeal is that he's not good and he doesn't have to be good, and it's about attitude. Yeah. But the guy was really bad at playing bass. Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I, I but, always, I always thought that the punks were actually the original hipsters. It was always like the way the attitude comes from is, oh, I heard this first. I, I've done this first. You don't like them. You didn't like them at first, kind of thing. I think there's a lot like, of that. And then like you, you didn't live this, so you don't. But a got lot it. of these kids, it just depended on. Um, so there's and, two different schools. Like a lot of them, um, and this will be kind of something we delve more into in the official punk kind of history episode. But um, there was a definite division. There's a lot of class division where we have racial and 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 uh, mostly racial division in America. They have class division in the UK, and the classes there, uh, the the mid level uh, class had their own type of punk, and then the working class had their own type of punk. So there was a type of punk that was like working class, and, and what you might even consider, you know, what you consider blue collar here. If that makes any sense. No, I, I understand what you mean in, in separation. But right? it's in, just like when I when I hear um, like maybe Black Flag, and then you hear Sex Pistols, and then you hear like uh, even more recent would be No Effects, you sure know, things like that. But I always personally, are, I always go back to Henry Rollins. So um, it's just it baffles me that even Sid Vicious was involved in a band, regardless of his him being able to play music it was all about the image yeah that's 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 just something i don't understand i know a professional wrestler yeah but he's actually yeah that that be that that is very true but but you're actually doing the wrestling like anybody yeah you wouldn't let anybody around just because they had a personality you know in in pro wrestling maybe kayfabe but Working something like that is just dangerous. Also, it's it's just a he's, huge he's like lie. Paul Heyman, he's like where he's not. He doesn't have athletic Paul ability. Paul Heyman is incredible at what he does. That's though. what I'm he's, saying. He's, he's good at what he's, he's. But he's not. He's not an athlete. He can't do like he can't do like a backflip off the turnbuckle. You don't know that because you haven't seen it, do you? But no, you, will you grant me that? Where like that's kind of yeah, what no, I'm I, saying. I, I get like, it. I get it. And I'm just. Saying, I mean, you, you have a paid band. I mean, I think I'm just speaking like very. Um, I guess. It's hard to I'm, understand. Yeah, it is. It I, is. I'm man. just not understanding. It's it. antithetical to the traditional understanding of music. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. It, it, it is. That make what you basically any, we're going to say. It is. But it's, that's what made this guy a star. I guess that's punk rock. You know. That's what made him a star, and that's why. I guess I would be the guy who says, "Look at these punks." Well, he was a prize catch to her. I'll to, be, to Nancy. I'll be Sid, going playing trombone with his she, pops. She, she Nancy really believed that Sid Vicious was the beating heart of the sex pistols and was going to be even bigger. And, and she found her way to the youngest member of the band. That was, that was Sid. And she was probably the only one that she, he was probably the only one that she could get. Like everybody else kind of turned her down. Cause she was a notorious, like loud mouth. And I'm not mean, it wouldn't mean to speak ill of the dead, but just the, all of the accounts on all the documentaries I watched all were just like, Oh, well, she they was, had a nickname for her. Didn't they? What was it again? Uh, it was either nauseating. I think nauseating, it was nauseating Nancy. Nancy. Yeah. Oh wow. So nasty Nancy. I mean, she sounds like a. Gym. I always thought negative Nancy, but no nauseating Nancy. I think it's because she just kind of hopped around. Well, she she went for the what she thought was the number one member of the band and the party hard bass player who couldn't Seems play like bass. She struck out until somebody finally said yes. Well, she decided she was gonna. Th- make him her prep project and take him to the top and where most saw a difficult brash and needy heroin addict a person who was adrift in their own addiction and misery sid vicious they're capable of anything well sid vicious saw in her a real companion he saw a partner in crime and he saw his first love wow but he couldn't do anything so anybody was a step up from where he was well, he was given a spot in his favorite band and was getting women thrown at him. Yeah, he could get a lot of girls. He didn't, he didn't know how to say no. Especially, he didn't have any family base. Like, his mom was doing heroin Right. With him. He was just like a scene kid. So he was looking for what he thought was family, like somebody sure. who was good quality. Trying to get at least a little base of normal. <laughs> right. Well, now, their their relationship was fraught with disputes and violent outbursts, all under the heavy cloud of severe heroin addiction. 
Nancy provided a and second stabilizing. To their credit, it is really difficult to argue on heroin. It's very so, slow. It takes yeah. a while. Oh, Days times. <laughs> Days times. It's like two Eeyores yelling <laughs> at each other. Oh, we're at it again. <laughs> now, you took the rest. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll rebuild soon. Now, Nancy provided a second stabilizing and ultimately dooming female force in Sid's life. With his mother still supporting her and her son's smack habits, she took the addiction to even new heights. So as the band grew, so did Sid and Nancy's appetites. And soon, most found the couple, particularly Nancy, to be unbearable. There are several interviews um, with the couple on YouTube where she is just completely overbearing and speaking for Sid Vicious. And um, you can tell that she really wanted to be kind of the star of the show herself. Huh. And wanted to be responsible for Sid's rise. Uh, after the Sex Pistols broke up, um, but Sid she wasn't. She was no. She was just, just a groupie. A girlfriend hanger yeah, on. I mean, in a sense, a groupie. Yeah. Okay. Um, the the Sex Pistols had broken up. Sid was embarking on his own solo career, and she was kind of determined to be, um, you know, latched onto him as he made his rise and made his fortune that way. And it's not a bad gig. Well, it was not to be. On October 11th, 1978, Sid and Nancy had scored a sizable amount of heroin and headed back to their room in room 100 at the Chelsea Hotel in New York City. Fancy. Very. Mm. I bet the heroin was room served. Room 100. That's the first floor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's the king's floor. You know why? Because you're no so stairs. close to the entrance. Yeah. You have a heroin room. Yeah. <laughs> Some places you can't fall off the balcony. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, so they, they had a couple friends over. They had a guy named Rockets Red Glare. What is with these people? Like, Is that like his first middle and last name? No. So Red Glare is one name. Rockets is, is his first name. Because no. otherwise it's, it's one word. It's it's very stupid. Rockets Red Glare. Do these people actually think that these I are thought rappers good people days. to be around? Or they just not give a fuck? Especially not Rockets all... Red Glare. Oh, See, Rockets man. Red Glare was a notorious piece of shit on the New York heroin scene. Which you got to be a real standout piece of shit to be yeah, a standout piece of Yeah, to make your there. name as... Well, he was born that. addicted to heroin, to a heroin-addicted mother, and had basically never not been on heroin in his entire life. He passed away in 2001, was basically yes. never not on heroin. That's sad. That's tor- terrible, yeah. yeah. He was with another unidentified accomplice who's commonly known as Michael. Mm. Is kind of the common name tag to this guy. MJ? Was his right now? Maybe Myers... Oh, fair enough. Yeah, maybe. 13th's coming up, my friends. Now, we're going to go over a t- quick timeline of the events that night. They partied all night till the early, early hours of the morning. All damn night? Yes, you oh, can say that. Oh, wow. That's why we have I love here. when they say it in the now, movie. Now, Sid and Nancy both <laughs> eventually did enough booze and heroin to pass out. Now, from here, there's two different scenarios, both with the same unfortunate ending. Scenario number one. Rockets Red Glare and the accomplished try to steal the valuable drugs so they had and money. A ton of drugs. They had a ton of drugs and a ton of cash because Sid had just and got were paid out. Really high. And they were very high. So there's a ton of cash and a ton of drugs in a room. Um, they have a friend and a friend of a friend there with them. See, that's a friend, of, friend the of a friend. Friend, friend of a friend. Not a good situation. Friend of a friend. No. So the one theory goes that Rockets Red Glare and his accomplice uh, tried to steal the drugs and the money. Nancy woke up. And in order to silence her, they stabbed her in the stomach with a four-inch blade. Yes. Okay. Now, the other option, Sid and Nancy got into a fight. Why do you say that specifically, a four-inch blade? So she had puncture wounds that were... Well, on October 12th, Sid uh, woke up to Nancy's body in the bathroom. She had bled out entirely, and I think it's five liters of blood in the human body. Is that correct? I, I this know, is America, know, damn it. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm well, no phlebotomist. We do pints. Um, Suffice so. to say, um, <laughs> when someone bleeds out, it's <laughs> they do points a lot of fucking blood. Uh, so he woke up to a, a scene. You can actually find a picture of it if yeah, you're so inclined. And it circulates it's, very. Uh, it's gory. Yeah. Um, uh, Nancy had been stabbed in the stomach and bled out all over the bathroom floor. So Sid had woke up to find Nancy dead in the bathroom from a stab wound, and um, she had died, of course, of massive blood loss. Uh, here, it, he, he 
of course assumes in his stupor that that he's killed Nancy in a, in a fight and and yet another kind of domestic. Wow, that that dispute. sums up how their relationship. It was, was very yeah. volatile. It was very yeah. yeah. It was very toxic, abusive, and drug induced. It had gotten physical <laughs> many, many, many times with death threats made on both sides. Wow, and with uh, scissors, <laughs> with and trombones, <laughs> scissor bones. Yeah, actually, Nancy referred to knives as half scissors. (laughs) (laughs) And the joke of the day goes to Brandon Richardson. Thank you you very much. Now, Mr. Alan Parker, uh, author of a book, Who Killed Nancy? Uh, He posits some some notable theories here that we're going to get into. So we've talked about the first option is that rocket. Rockets, the rockets were glaring accomplished and tried accomplished. to take the money now and this, drugs. The second Nancy tried to stop them. Yeah, the his names was Michael. 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 Yes. Okay. And the second scenario is that Sid did it. Now they've got the knife there. The money and the drugs are gone. Rockets, Glare and his accomplice are gone. Uh, I'm saying, I'm saying, whatever the outcome is, option A, B, C, D, etc. Drugs and money are gone, no matter what. Yes. Yeah, that means. I mean, to me, so, that means that there was theft. Right. That, so that, for that sure can't theft. be. It can't be somebody it, who owned the money. Right. Right. So for me, Sid Vicious likely didn't do it, but we'll see. I mean, it sounds like Brandon's got a little bit more going on. Well, right before now. Sid's mom actually died of suicide in uh, in the 1990s, she came to Alan Parker and asked him to clear her son's name. So Parker, uh, a noted author. Interviewed 182 people for his book, again titled Who Killed Nancy. Uh, he says that while he can't swear on the Bible that Sid didn't do it, um, he, that when he says what that when you religious? dig it up, it just doesn't add up. It's funny that a punk rocker would give a shit about swearing on the Bible's morality. Oh, no, he said a writer. A writer. This oh, is a writer. Yeah, yeah, he's the, not, mo- the mom asked the writer. And a punk rocker wouldn't necessarily negate you from being able to to be like a person of faith really yeah no not at all i don't see why that would be true actually in my experience most punk rockers are straight edge and uh, yeah there's a whole straight edge movement which again doesn't mean you're religious morals that are actually much better than mine (laughs) oh well i think it's like the same common people think that metal fans can't be christian and there's lots of christian and uh, there's there's some very famous christian christian absolutely so Gotta expand that mind, Sean. Yeah, dude. That's what we're here doing. So let's go over the kind of physical, fair enough, uh, the physical Please. state of Sid Vicious at this time. Vicious had taken 30 2-in-alls that night, and according to you know uh, common dosages, he wouldn't have been physically able to get up or to even wake up. To commit some What's a 2-in-all? Two 2-in-all yeah, two is a barbiturate, a downer. Oh, so kind of like a Xanax. Yeah, something. very. It's, a, so it's like a 70s been, version of a surprise he didn't die. All I these mean, people on heroin 30? and Xanax, how do they... They're All they're doing is just lying there. So, I mean, how could they possibly... How would you have the energy to get up I mean, and right. stab someone? Well, the thing right. is their tolerance may have been up. So, with instead of taking heroin, he, he took those... You know, took those I'm assuming they're pills, two and all. Yeah, two and all pills. Uh, Thirty of them. Um, I'm a, but still, I mean, like he would be incoherently knocked the fuck out, right? Uh, they say he wouldn't even be conscious. Now, police found prints of six people known to the police at the time at the scene, but none of those people were were questioned. Well, well, there's a problem for the why police. exactly? Yeah, no reason was given. Uh, the money obviously was gone. They had lots of cash on them. Uh, they had Sid was doing particularly financially well at the time with sales of his new single "My Way." He covered this Frank Sinatra song. Love that song. That's one of my favorite songs. Sid does a particularly unique version of it. I do it my way too. Now, yeah, he posits one of the theories that he posits is that the drug addict, uh, the uh, aforementioned Michael, had visited them later alone. And had seen a wad of cash. Oh, uh, he he says that uh, this is option three. No, I'm sorry. He he says that later Michael had been seen walking around the neighborhood and had a wad of cash that was tied with Nancy's purple hair tie. Oh wow! There's no physical proof behind that other than to say a witness saw it, which can be like some of the most unreliable legal testimony out there. It's like I right. they'll never go off unless they found the hair sure. tie on him. What if Nancy? So we're we're playing this conspiracy corner mm-hmm. game right now. Right. So hypothetically, what if Nancy 
wanted to control Sid's life so badly that she took her own or made somebody like hurt her, harm her in a way, and then just, you know, staged this whole thing. What if Nancy was behind all of this? I mean, her behavioral health issues. I mean, she was obviously. That's probably the one and only thing that would make that something that I, I guess could be plausible, but not many people commit suicide via one stab to the abdomen. Unless she stabbed herself and let herself bleed out. Or what if she was like, hey, check out this cool knife, six people. And then, you know, six people touch it. And then, you know. No, no. uh, The the fingerprints, did you say they were around the room? Yeah, actually, I misspoke. The knife wasn't at the scene. Oh, okay. So they don't have the prints of, like, Sid Vicious on the knife. Oh, wow. Whose knife was uh, it? Whose knife was it? They don't know whose knife it was. So she was just stabbed. Stabbed. Those two people disappeared. Yes. One of them did it. I don't know why. Well, police actually. Well, before we get see, into that, the theory that might that they were on, the and also they didn't interview the, the six fingerprinted people. Yeah. yeah. Well, the theory that Parker actually buys into the most is that Michael had had something to do with it. He was. Well, I mean, if he had the hair tie, I honestly believe it was him. Well, we don't have proof Plus that he has the hair tie. His name is Michael. I mean, that's eyewitness testimony again, but that is some. This is conspiracy corner. Thank Michael you. Yes. Starts with M. So does murderer. Oh. <laughs> so does money. Oh, yeah. And hair tie. Money, murder, mare tie, you know? I'll tell you what else. Dip a ball in water, spin it around, the water will fly off. Think about it. And you know what would come up? The death of Nancy. Fair enough. Um, now, police arrested Sid Vicious for the murder of Nancy Spongen the next day. Uh, he was released on $50,000 bail that was paid by his record company, Virgin Records. Okay. Again, in trouble... Uh, later in the year, he got into a fight at a concert, and he was thrown back into jail at Rikers Island and forced, basically, through a, a really painful detox. Uh, and if you know anything about kind of the physiology of heroin addiction, people he that— could have died. Well, yeah, people— yeah. Oh, Actually, like the only— withdrawals yeah. worse. The, the only—right, the only real one you can—they're they, afraid of you dying on is alcohol. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, he incredibly painful— um, he, but that brings your tolerance levels to a new dangerous level. Okay. So yeah. he goes through this forced detox, and then on February first, nineteen seventy-nine, in the next year, now Sid was released from Rikers Island Jail. Now he had planned a big party his mom had set up for him uh, with some friends and his new girlfriend Michelle Robson. His mom had actually got him a bag of heroin as like a welcome home <laughs> present. <laughs> Mother of the year. She must have a mug. I mean, <laughs> but however, the heroin that uh, Sid's mom had got was supposed to be not the greatest. So a friend that was there uh, named Peter Grabble uh, said he had a better hookup and said, said Sid sent him out to uh, procure some better quality stuff. But Peter did his job a little too well and came back with 98% pure heroin, which is Far too pure for the human body, much less one that has been recently cleaned out from a forced detox on Rikers wouldn't Island. A, right? Wouldn't a user know that that's terrible <laughs> to do? Well, I think I mean, he I, was just salivating so much for yeah. good heroin. Um, this was a forced detox. This wasn't like a mindful yeah. decision to clean out. That he, no, I uh, meant I meant Peter. Peter got ga- ga- gravel. You know, you would like think he so. would know. He should have known what he purchased. I mean, like if you went to a party at this rock and roll star's house, and that him and his girlfriend were both passed out, and there was drugs and money on the table, wouldn't you just stab her and take the money and drugs well, and leave? Oh no, no, no! This is where were we? This is <laughs> Sid Vicious's death. This is Sid Vicious, no. but <laughs> but also maybe. Well, this is going to bring us to the kind of ultimate two questions that I want to ask here. So, real quick, to kind of sum up, Sid's. Sad and tragically short life. Uh, How Sid, old was he when he died? Twenty-one. Uh, Are you serious? Yeah, Sid Vicious died of an overdose on February second, nineteen seventy-nine. In his brief and fleeting life, he left a wake of destruction and paved the way for many a young punk who saw him as a martyr for the cause. However, was he? Was he? I mean, I mean, in, in hindsight, he's just a kid with horrible direction yeah it seems like he was snuffed out by the universe before we could cause real damage well that leaves us with two questions like this the the crux of this episode was going to be who killed nancy and it still is and i want you to to answer that question see what you think but also i want you to answer the question that i kind of came to after writing this script who do you think killed sid 
Right. So let's go with Sean first. Sean, who's your? What's your take on who killed Nancy and then who killed Sid? From from the crime scene photos, is there only blood in the bathroom? Uh, I mean, not only in the bathroom. So but I mean, what, was she obviously was she stabbed in the bathroom and like kind of stayed in the bathroom? The account that I got this, she, she was stabbed outside and then crawled into the bathroom to like try to save herself. I in some some kind of you know um, self preservation capacity. I mean, some kind of self-preservation effort. So this is a fancy hotel in New York. Was there a doorman? I mean, I don't know if there was. Who I really they were on don't. the first floor, so anybody could have came and gone. And you really, it's hard to speak to someone's mental state at that level of intoxication. Yeah. You know who I I think killed Nancy was herself through. I think she put herself in a situation. Victim blaming. Boo-wee. I think she put herself. Oh, you. I think she put herself alert. in a situation. Oh, you white male. Where it, it stood as well. I think. Sean, your privilege is showing. I think Nancy <laughs> put herself in a situation where she got in over her head. And well, I then, think that's true. You know, and yeah. also, I still firmly believe that a psychotic girlfriend is capable of anything. Yeah. So uh, mm-hmm. she could very well have been up to the whole, been the mastermind behind the whole plan. So who do you think? Who do you think killed Sid? Uh, who killed Sid? Yes. I mean, he did it to himself. Also, sure. I mean, he didn't have to. No one forced him. Apparently, to, I agree to yeah. to do these drugs. I think they're both responsible for their own actions. Ultimately, they are adults. They are millions of dollars rich. They have connections and responsibilities and families, even if they are junkie. But if someone made the argument to me that they weren't given a, a very good shot, either one of them, that's horseshit. It'd be hard to argue against Sid not being given a good shot. The guy got everything that a kid would want. Heroin, drugs, cocaine. money, sex, rock and roll. Everything. Fair enough. He got everything in the world that he could possibly dream of. Maybe he wanted an early grave, too. Maybe that's what he wanted. Jeff, your take? Who killed Nancy and who killed Sid? Well, I believe it's obvious that Peter killed Sid. <laughs> so Peter I, I think killed it was, I think Sid. It, I think it was unintentional, but hmm. um, I, I believe he did indirectly kill Sid by grabbing um, heroin that was just too much for his body. Could you say his mom or did hit- the same? Well, she got him heroin for all also, she knew. I mean, in that, in the same aspect, Sid killed himself too. I sure. mean, like he he did he probably did a dose that was way too high for his tolerance level being so low. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's why people die a lot. I think we discussed this earlier today. We did. We talked about it earlier. Yeah, so, how, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of tell them what we were talking about how how people coming. People Back from heroin coming, addictions who relapse are in real yeah, danger. They relapse and they try to do exactly what they were doing before they became, I guess, at least somewhat to primarily clean. Sure. Um, other than that, Nancy, I believe the whole... Um, yeah, with, with Nancy, I really believe it has to do with... What was, it, what was the name of that guy again? Rocket's Red Glare. Rocket's Red Glare. I do believe he may have... Had Michael do it, I do believe Michael did it, maybe. Or Records Red Glare had nothing to do with it. Because, sorry, that seems so confusing. That's to say. an incredibly confusing. Well, I believe, so I believe so Michael such had a, a shitty person would be the obviously obvious number one suspect. So Michael could have gotten away with it very easily if he did do it. Sure. I see what you're saying here. No, I mean, it was also that. Yeah. The, the, the whole her uh, hair tie being around the, a wad of cash. Well, yeah, again, you put a lot of stock in that, but that's kind of hearsay. That's just something. I mean, unless, unless, because I mean, he's a junkie, correct? Sure. So if you have Rocket's Red Glare, who knows what he's doing, put a junkie what up to it and then that, pawn it off on he him. He got all that money because he went to go buy them heroin, so he sold them the heroin for a stack of cash and a hair tie. Again. All uh, fair and theories. a hair tie. <laughs> well, <laughs> Did you just? I mean, he, he had a stack yeah, of cash with then, a hair tie. He went to go buy sell. He went to go get heroin, a whole lot of it, and really good stuff. So when he brought it back to the hotel room, they had to give him something. So they gave him money that was wrapped up in a hair tie, and it just happened to be 
Nancy's. Now, pardon me while I allow myself <laughs> to illuminate allow a little myself bit to of retort. knowledge for the two young gentlemen here from Austin. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Southern Lawyer Jeffrey. I thought it was Colonel But Sanders. I must say, but it has been posited that the young man, Michael, that we speak of, he may or may not have the hair tie of a one Nancy Spongin. <laughs> you sound of a like one the, Nancy you, you sound like the judge from my cousin Vinny. You sound like Jesse Jackson. <laughs> it's crazy you've never of heard of a one him. Nancy Spongin. Now, Miss Spongin. Yes. <laughs> did receive a gift of four inches of blade, but she did not say that anyone ever killed her. She may, with her mental health issues, in the Chelsea Hotel of Room 100, done it herself. Here, here. Incredibly incoherent response. Thank you very much, Southern (laughs) Professor Jeffrey. Now, myself this sums up the Southern education system for you. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, so myself... Uh, but I'm a man of the West. Well, I think it's pretty obvious. It was, uh, it was the Russians. Uh, that, that yeah, because they were Russian to shank her. Uh, no, I, I think... Um, They're Russian. <laughs> I think, yeah, obviously Sid, Sid, Vilis, Sid Vicious is uh, responsible for himself at the end of the day. I think it's a very sad situation of... Uh, Two young people that were really lost and could have been turned around at a, a, a number of times, but a lot of people stood to make a lot of money off of them. They didn't have a, su- a support system. Yeah, and, and I whatsoever. think at the end of the day, yeah. uh, it's 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 a more two tragic. kids died that didn't need to die. Yeah. yeah, twenty and twenty-one. It's more tragic Romeo and Juliet kind of tale. It is, and it's been yeah. romanticized ever since. But at the end of the day, I think you just got two kids dead, and it's uh, it's uh, just a sad thing. So we want to thank you again for tuning yeah. into this episode of All Damn Night. And we want to thank uh, Jeffrey for coming out and hanging out again with us. Oh, yeah. No, I'm always happy to be here. It's so fun. It has That's been nice. You, you sound like one of those people at the Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-il funeral. It's where so like, fun. Right. It's, we're uh, forcing you, you to say how, so how much you love it. <laughs> Kimchi. Uh, so uh, you should uh, check us out online. We're at alldamnight.com. We've got a lot of new content coming up there now. We've been uh, working really hard on that lately. Um, check us out on YouTube. We're going to be at All Damn Night. We've got some cool stuff coming up there. Um, you can find us on twitter.com at alldamnight. You can find us at All Damn Night Podcast on Instagram, uh, All Damn Night Podcast on Facebook. All Damn Night. Anything else I'm leaving out here? Email. Oh, yeah, yeah Brandon at alldamnight.com sean at alldamnight.com uh, jeffrey you want to plug away your social media machinery you can follow me on instagram and twitter at the jeff bomb that's t-h-e-g-e-o-f-f-b-o-m-b the jeff bomb so we want to thank you again for tuning in thank you for uh coming out jeff thank you again to sean Thank you. Resident expert. And uh, be sure to tune in uh, this next week and every week for the greatest music podcast in history. This is All Damn Night. A quick addendum. Uh, if you're in the Austin area, come uh, check out me and my band, uh, Brandon Richardson and the Common Criminals. We're playing every Tuesday night from 9.30 to 11.30 at Craftsman Bar on uh East Caesar Chavez, again in Austin, Texas. If you're in the area, come check us out. We'd uh, love to meet you and say hi. And uh, yeah, check me out. Brandon Richardson Music. Uh, what's the other thing? Uh, uh, oh, yeah. That's Be, right. a criminal. Be a criminal. Be a criminal.com. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Be a criminal.com. Check it out there. Brandon Richardson and the Common Criminals. Don't miss it. Come back next week for our podcast. Bye.